What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode features Chase Hobby and Evan Seal, the two co-founders of Verb Labs, an Austin, Texas-based performance brand delivering effective natural solutions for stress, sleep, and pain. After careers in the military, Chase and Evan were banged up, stressed out, and struggling to get quality sleep. When they couldn't find effective, natural, and targeted solutions to keep them in the fight, they resolved to build the goods themselves. With the help of the scientists on their team, they developed tactical blends that set the conditions for the most driven amongst us to win the day, every day. I'm stoked to have had the opportunity to chat with Chase and Evan about how the military, business school, and life have set them up to succeed at getting Verb off the ground and in the hands of those they are serving. For anyone who has thought about bringing an idea to life, this episode is packed with value. So let's give it up for Chase and Evan of Verb Labs. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. South by Southwest just wrapped up here in March in Austin, Texas. And every March, I'd like to bring some startups on and founders and co-founders and chat a little bit about their business and how it's changed not only their life, but the lives that they're hoping to change. And today are two guys that are doing just that. They are the co-founders of a company called Verb. And yeah, I'd love to start this conversation off with what the hell is this Moab bomb that y'all just gave me? So please, without further ado, I'd like to intro Chase and Evan from Verb. And yeah, someone answer me, what is this thing? Thanks for having us on. And so what is that? That is called the Moab. And so it's kind of a play on uh, the Moab in the military, which stands for the mother of all bombs. This is the mother of all bath bombs. So what we've done is we built a, a bath bomb that has CBD and Epsom salt, and it's just like the ultimate recovery. It's like two times the size of your normal bath bomb and like five times the, the amount of ingredients in a normal bath bomb. So it's the mother of all bath bombs. That's what it is. When we were kind of digging in and, and researching and trying to figure out if this made sense or not, there's a lot of ideation. I'm sure we'll get into all this, but like we dug in and we're doing heaps of just testing trials on ourselves and like I've never been a big bath guy. I think that's pretty standard. Like most dudes aren't, but honestly, at the end of a week or on a recovery day or that kind of thing, the hot bath, throw one of these bad boys in there, sit for like 20 or 30 minutes. And like, bottom line is I'm a believer at this point. And once we found that and we got fired up about it, we started trying this out on friends from the military, former athletes, current athletes, that kind of thing. And had such great feedback. They were like, all right, well, this is it. Let's do it. Yeah, it's one of those things that I don't think men grow up ever thinking about doing. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to sit in the bathtub and relax and recover. It's not really in our nature to do that. But it's funny you mentioned that because I used to, to force myself to read, I would literally get in the bathtub every morning. It was a good like, what else are you going to do? You're stuck with yourself and your thoughts. So it's like, I might as well like read. And it was also like, I would work out in the morning. So like to heat up my muscles and get ready for that. But I guess where I really would love to start is I'm always trying to inspire people to go after their dreams and, and build things that 
they know can help serve their communities and, and the people around them, but also have them waking up inspired and motivated every single day. And did you think when you both were in the military, you'd be sitting here talking about like bath bombs? So let's let's dive a little bit into a little bit of your backstories. Feel free to kind of share each of you where you're from, how you got into the military, and then where y'all met along the lines. Evan here. I grew up in Sugarland, Texas. I went to West Point for college. And so from there, you go into the military afterwards. So I served for about six years in the military. The majority of my time was with the 75th Range Regiment, so a special operations unit. Did a bunch of deployments over that time to Afghanistan. I also played soccer at West Point for four years. So kind of a beat up college athlete and then just kind of banged up veteran. So all that combined kind of got out. Just had a lot of issues dealing with like pain, inflammation, stress, PTSD type stuff, and sleep. So a bunch of issues that not only that we were struggling with and that we had struggled with throughout the our service and as athletes, but stuff that we continued to struggle with and what we we're ultimately trying to help solve for ourselves and now are helping other people solve for themselves as well. So I'll pause there though to let Chase. Yeah, but we actually have like a relatively similar story from Clearwater, Florida, graduated high school, went to the Naval Academy in Annapolis for my undergrad, played rugby there, did all the things you're supposed to do. And at the tail end of school, ended up in Pensacola, Florida at Navy Flight School, served as a Naval Flight Officer for 10 years subsequent to graduating. And on the way out, just discovered that I had this passion to do something different. I loved my time in the military and it was really not only fun, but like fulfilling and, and all the things you would hope it would be. But I just, I knew that for me, there were other things that I wanted to do in life as well. And so that sort of led me out of the military and I developed an interest in entrepreneurship and everything that meant. And so my first stop on that path was business school whole other conversation. But the bottom line is for us coming out of the military, it's a really good way for us to transition out of one career and into the next one. And it just so happened that Evan and I showed up same school, same day, and we met each other within maybe the first four or five days of being at Wharton. Honestly, we just kind of met, bonded over obviously the shared background in the military and being athletes and all that. And then also developed this shared passion for health, wellness, optimized life, whatever that means. And as we sort of started to build that friendship and talk more and more, we discovered that we were both pretty well banged up with issues, sleeping, pain, inflammation, stress, and all that. And so as former athletes and vets and all that, we just discovered these products on our own, discovered CBD as a potential fix for some of these issues. And then when we couldn't find products that we were really fired up about in terms of ingredients, in terms of efficacy and all that, it just sort of led us down this path where we we're like, well, we think we can probably figure out a way to do it better ourselves. And so we ultimately found a team of researchers and scientists to work with out of California and just started walking the dog while we were still in school. We'd go to school all day. And then at night, we just kind of found ourselves doing this. It wasn't like a really well thought out deal. It was just like, oh shit, we're like, we're doing this. And then eventually once we had built some products and handed them out to some of our buddies who were vets and from athletes and all that, and got such great feedback, we were kind of like, oh shit, this is like a, this is a business. This is a thing. And so that's how we kind of got down the path and we graduated business school here like about a year ago. We've been, we've been doing it since then. I'd love to dive into the positive side of the military and, and business school. Obviously, each has pros and cons, but when I say the positive side, how did those two areas set you both up for success to get that positive feedback? So you were mentioning how going from the military into 
business school was a positive transition to help just give you something to now do and, and focus on. And then obviously you found yourself building this company on the side, but not anybody can just do that. There's skills and things you pick up along the way that have helped you both succeed up until this point in both your eyes. Like what were the things that you picked up in the military and then in business school that could potentially, if somebody's out there thinking about either of those two routes, what is the positive sides of that that have helped you up until this point? Personally, for me, I think that, and I don't know if I got this in the military, if this was just like something I grew up with and it just is something that has allowed me to like succeed through the military and excel through the military. It's just grit and being able to deal with tough times, uncertainty, things like that. I mean, in the military, you're constantly subjected to just hurry up and wait. You don't know like what to expect. You have no control over this. You have no control over that. Just figure it out. Like, here's the mission. You only have X amount of resources. Just make it happen. Get it done type stuff. And so through all those micro experiences throughout West Point and six years, so 10 years of kind of military service, I think all those micro experiences just teach you that like, if you just stay the path and you like, just keep trying hard, you will figure it out. And if you don't figure it out and if you like fail, then like, turns out it's going to be okay. And like, you can fight the next battle, right? Like, I think just being able to like deal with that and like constantly see that over and over again, like you get, you develop this mentality that you can push through Like if I just keep trying hard, then you're going to get through it. And so I think that like grit, if you translate that into entrepreneurship, I mean, this is actually harder than, than that. Like the, the grit you need to run a business and start a business and like to keep the motivation and keep the optimism and all that good stuff like going, like you just have to be able to like consistently show up every single day and believe that if you do that for enough time, long enough, then you're going to get there. You're going to get to the finish line. And that's with fitness. It's with health. It's with like relationships. It's with starting a business. It's with going to school at business school is not easy. And I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I'll work really hard and I'll keep staying at it and I'll figure it out eventually. So like, I think that those micro experiences over time of just like having to fight through things teaches you the lessons that these have helped me now fighting through entrepreneurship. Ever read the book, Grit? No. Yeah, you no. should read it. I will. I need, I need to like have a little. Yeah, a, a pen grad yeah. hasn't read it, man. That's yeah. like, that was written by uh, one of the professors at Penn. Yeah. I mean, I would agree, honestly, with Evan that I don't know that it's comfort in discomfort. I think that's almost a misnomer because at the end of the day, discomfort is just not comfortable. And there's like no amount of training or life experience that's going to make any of that more comfortable. And again, I think that like goes to business, goes to being an athlete or, or whatever it is that you're doing, but it's sort of experience being uncomfortable that lets you know that, Hey man, it's just uncomfortable and that's okay. There's nothing that needs to be done about this discomfort. What I need to do is just understand that this is a hard thing to do and copy. Got it. I'm going to take that feeling and put it over here and I'm going to work really hard today, tomorrow, moving forward. I'm going to be smart about the decisions that I'm making. I'm going to think hard about what I'm doing and every day try to get at least a percentage point better. That's the piece that I took from the military or my military experience that really is helpful to what I'm doing now. I think on the business school side of the house, honestly, just like a pulling back the curtain on the fundamentals of business, like it is not rocket science. It's like shrouded in vocabulary that is almost purposefully obtuse. It's like really tough to wrap your head around. 
until somebody explains it to you or you sit down and read chapters on accounting, finance, and management, marketing, whatever. Like once you see it, you're like, oh, this is actually pretty straightforward. Like obviously you can go as deep as you want to in any of those categories. But in order to wrap your head around a base level understanding, I think business school was a great way for me to do that. I don't think you you need business school to do that. But for me, that was a really great way of being like, oh, you know what? Like this is not rocket science. I can do this. And to just give you again the vocabulary so you can speak somewhat intelligently across the categories of business, it makes life easier because it's just like military. If somebody came to your unit and was telling you how great a product they had for you or how you should fly the jet instead of the way you're flying it now, if that person doesn't speak the vocabulary, it doesn't give anybody any reason to listen to you. But if you can speak the language, people are like, okay, it sounds like this person knows at least a little bit about what they're talking about. So just having basic vocabulary is, I think, probably a helpful thing that business school fed us this information, which was pretty nice. The way that I look at it is like a trust certificate at the end of the day. It's just like if someone goes to business school and coming from the military, you have two very high stamps of approval. Like this person probably has grit and a work ethic. And then on top of that, the academic experience to back that up, it basically builds your trust with anybody that you're talking with in the long run, which is obviously always a great thing. But where my mind kind of goes towards is like kind of the nitty gritty, what you were talking about, where you were just doing this on the side. And I think this trips a lot of people up is just like, where do you start? So if you guys can go back to when you were starting and you're learning the business side, where did you start from logo to name to selling your first product? What was going through your minds when you were trying to do all this? And it's great to have co-founders. And I want to say this to anybody out there, like you need people around you that can help you. Don't try to do everything yourself. But in the beginning, when you have a co-founder, it can almost be like, what do we do? And then we stagnate over what we should do because there's just all these ideas that we have. So I've been in both sides where it's just myself and it's like, all right, I like this. I'm going to make this decision versus like sitting there stagnant a little bit because it's like, well, one person thinks we should do one thing and another person thinks we do another. So we end up not really doing much at the end of the day. So for y'all, what did that look like? At the very core of this business was we had issues that we couldn't solve for. And we tried. This was not an idea before we tried a bunch of different products as customers. And we just couldn't find products that did what we wanted them to do. And we had essentially qualities of product in mind in terms of efficacy. So when you say efficacy, what do you mean? So some- Does it do the job? If I need help sleeping and staying asleep, is it going to help me do that? Also like without negative side effects, because the other part of that is like coming from the military, I had access to the doc 24 seven. Like if I, yeah, if I had trouble sleeping, here's sleeping pills, knee pain. Okay. Here's some pills. No matter what problem you had, it's just like, boom, here's script. Here's a script. Like you can just get whatever you want. And a lot of negative side effects from a lot of those pills, you can get addicted to them and, and they're bad for you. And yes, they might help short term, but like very bad long-term stuff. So when we were out, we are like trying to find natural, healthy ways to do this without negative side effects to solve our problems. And so that obviously limited the variables of which to go find products. And so that's why the efficacy is important. It's like, okay, we need to solve the problem. But we also need to do it clean, healthy, and the right way. When you're looking to make something that has high efficacy, but you're low on resources, capital, manpower, how did you solve for that problem? So first of all, we identified that there was a problem that there was no solution for on the market that met our qualifications or our standards. Then we sort of did research on our own on just like the compound itself to figure out like, okay, 
is this real? Are we barking up the right tree? Should we continue walking this dog? And so we did a ton of research on our own, looking at the latest, greatest studies, science, just showing, is there a there there? We found that that was true. Then we also put our hands up and said, hey, we are not the right guys to like sit in our kitchen and concoct stuff like this. It's like, we know, like based on our research, we know it can be done. We have a very good hypothesis that it can be done. We have some ideas about it, but we're not the right guys. Our expertise is not in the formulation side of the house. And so we found a team after a nationwide search to find a team that had that experience. And we went to them with our idea, with our pitch, and then just got creative with how we could do this, how we could essentially compensate them at the low level that we were at. We're like, hey, we don't have a heap of capital. And so we worked really hard with them to come up with a plan of like, hey, you're going to develop these products for us. And we ended up Again, being very creative with doing that at a very low cost at the beginning, just to check to see if the idea and the products themselves actually worked. And so I can get into the details of how we got creative on the contract, but we just got very creative and ended up at the front end of the relationship, made it a very low cost relationship for us to at least just, okay, does this idea have legs? Yes, cool. And then over time, we were able to pay them more over time once the idea itself was somewhat validated, if that makes sense. Just to add to your question, if you're capital constrained, like, and you're trying to start it, I mean, you just have to be super scrappy. So like this nationwide search, like that's on a hand wave, literally building target lists of manufacturers that mess with these types of compounds. Like, okay, we knew we wanted it to have CBD. That's been, you know, it's a great compound. We've read a ton of research on it. That's super helpful for XYZ. Here's a bunch of other really helpful compounds that are also natural. All right, cool. This is the type of product we want to build. That's going to be amazing to solve for sleep or pain or stress. This is what we want to build. Okay. Who are the manufacturers that can do this? We're pulling lists off the internet. We're Googling things. We're building target lists. We're having phone calls. Hey, what's your MOQ? Minimum order quantity. It's 10,000. Okay. What's the unit cost? 10? Okay. Can't do that. We can't play there. Keep talking to everyone you can. Okay. Does this person feel good? Does it seem like they know what they're doing? What does the facility look like? What are their certifications? Are they GMP certified? Are they doing this with the right types of CBD? Okay. Boom, 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 boom. You're checking all the boxes. After tons and tons of searching, then you find someone that's like, Hey, I like you guys. I like what you're trying to do. I've been doing this for a while. I'm going to take you guys under my wing and I'm going to let you get in super low MOQs to let you guys try this out because I just want to help you out. And you find people like that. I mean, just if you shake enough hands and you talk to enough people, like you'll find people who are entrepreneurs themselves that did this and they knew what it was like when you were young and scrappy and trying to start a business. So they just like, they just give you a pass and get you in the game. And so you just have to go through enough calls, visits, all that stuff just to find the people. And that's how you do it. So that's how you do it scrappy. If you have a bunch of money, then it's easy. You just, the first person you probably call, you can play ball at the MOQ and the unit cost. Now you got $100,000 worth of inventory that you got to go move, right? It's almost better the way you're doing it though. Because if you have money, you cut corners, I've found. Like the people that have money are, are cutting corners and like you don't build as much grit and better relationships when you're kind of doing it the way that you guys were doing it. And it it's something that anybody listening out there, if you're thinking about starting, like they don't teach you that in school, that it's literally just a numbers game at the end of the day. So like if you ever a cold call, like it's just like the more calls you make, like the more likely you are to get a yes. Every no is one closer to a yes. Yeah. Again, like we were first time entrepreneurs, like we never built a CBG consumer products business before or built a brand or any of that. So like, as you go to find manufacturers, you start learning, like first call, you're like, oh man, I sound like an idiot on that. They're third, fourth, fifth. You're like, okay, what's your MOQ? Just get smarter and smarter. And that's the same with every functionary. 
you're not going to be an expert at it. And it's okay. Don't get hung up on the fact that you're not going to know everything and you're not going to have all the answers. But like, if you just get stuck in and stay with it, stay consistent, you're going to figure it out. It's also just like everything else. It's a relationship game. You have to do the work. There's just no way around it. You got to show up and do the work, but also treating people well and genuinely looking for a win-win answer and treating people the no shit way that you want to be treated and making that known. Honestly, it's weird to have to tell people that, but like, Hey, be nice and mean it and it will benefit you on the backside. And I think a lot of folks don't get that message and they treat everything super transactionally. And at the end of the day, like, yes, it's business and there's a certain amount of that that you can't avoid, but just treating folks the way you would want to be treated if you were on the other end of the line is free. You can do that easily. And if you don't, you're making life harder on yourself than you probably need it to be. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Verb Labs. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Chase and Evan of Verb Labs. What has been one of the toughest parts that you've gone through in terms of the business sense? So marketing, finance, manufacturing, what has been something that you didn't necessarily know you were getting into that was going to be tough and that business school doesn't really touch on that much? Using the business school parlance would be customer acquisition, which underneath that umbrella is like, no kidding, building a brand, sales, building brand awareness, getting people that, no kidding, have the problem that you have and you have built a great product that could no shit solve their issues today. I can help you today. But getting to that person, making them know that you exist, really hard. And then once they know you exist, getting them to consider you as a, as a reasonable option for solving their issue to all the way down to actually making a purchase and then coming back to purchase, it's a really tough nut to crack. Obviously, there are ways to do it. Companies do this all the time. But doing it from zero brand awareness is a really tough thing to do. At the end of the day, you got to build the brand. You got to, depending on what the type of business is that you're starting, obviously there's differences business to business or business to consumer or whatever it is, but putting yourself out there and building that awareness is like a really, really tough thing to do that. It'd be great if there was classes on this specifically on this at business school. Maybe there were, I just didn't take it. But at the end of the day, like that is a problem set that for us is tough, but we're learning where we were like a year ago versus where we are today. On that front, we've made a lot of effort, but there's a lot of bumps and bruises along the way that we had to just learn the hard way to figure it out. You can't beat time. 
And I think brand is something that like, it just takes time. And that's where with business school, like you can't pay for brand. That's the thing. Nike didn't become Nike by paying somebody to become Nike. Like it was just grit and grinding it out year over year over year over year. And then also I think pivoting the entrepreneurial game, you learn how to like a pivot and adapt really quickly. And it's just like take feedback from events and different marketing tactics. And that's the other thing Like you were mentioning, like brand awareness, your brand in general, you got design, you got sales. And I think a lot of people don't see how interconnected they all are. If you have a strong brand, that automatically leads to sales. And if you have a really great product, it's going to market itself. So it's just like, at the end of the day, I love how y'all have focused on your product. I was just reading something from Naval Ravikant who was talking about, if you have a great product, you don't necessarily need marketing because eventually like if one person buys a product and it solves their problem, well, they're going to keep buying it and they're probably going to tell other people about it. Now, you also need gasoline and that's where the marketing and the sales come in versus a lot of other brands, quote unquote, will start with the marketing and sales and then they're basically like trying to market or sell a product that is subpar and that doesn't really solve a problem. So even if they get a customer, that customer doesn't come back. So you mentioned like customer acquisition. How have you maintained that customer? So after you did build their trust and you did do the gritty work, what has been your experience on making sure that that customer is happy and that they repeat as a purchasing customer of Verb? Because I think that's something that a lot of people fail to focus on. I would just say like just taking care of them, customer service, and then having systems in place that continue to add value to them so that you're top of mind. So like, we have subscription service. So like if you, if you love the product, you sign the subscription, that helps with engaging the customer to come back and keep ordering the product because it sets them up on an automated system. And then outside of that, just the baseline blocking and tackling of that, then it's just, is your product good and providing what they want and continues to provide what they want and need to solve their problem? And then can you add value to their life in other ways? Like, can you provide good content to them? Can you educate them on how to use the product correctly so that they are getting the most out of it? Educating them on what is in the product and why it's helping them and why it's beneficial to them. So it just elevates their desire and experience in general. And then providing other value throughout their life that maybe it's not specific to the product and the problem you're solving with the product, but maybe it's other areas that they care about that you've identified and then you're providing value that way. So they just start to love you as a brand. They start to look at the emails, they look at the content, they want to see what you're posting because they find value in it and it's elevating their life. So I think by doing all those things, that's how you build a real relationship with the customer. And hopefully that turns into them coming back into remaining with you and, and loving the brand and all that good stuff. If you're an entrepreneur, I mean, step one, step zero is build a great product, build a great product that people want. And if it's a product that makes sense for repeat purchase, like ours does, that's all you should think about until you get it right. And the customer will tell you if you've gotten it right or not. So like that's step one. And to Evan's point, like you have a weekly newsletter called The Drop. If you come to verblabs.com, you could sign up for it. It's essentially just a quick, short breakdown every week of things that we have found out in the world that have added values to our lives, whether they be books or articles, podcasts, products, I mean, you name it. It's short and sweet. And that is something that takes us like, call it up 45 minutes to put together in total every week. And we have gotten so much positive. It has nothing to do with CBD, obviously, nothing. It's just who are the people that we're trying to serve? How can we serve them? Yes, we have products and yes, all that. But like our brand, we want our brand to sort of represent a lifestyle and we want people to feel represented by us. And part of that is 
Hey, here's some really valuable information. Hey, here's a really great product that we found. Here's a song that we went for a run with and put on freaking over and over again. And it put us in the zone. And that has nothing to do with selling stuff. It's just, here's some valuable stuff and come back whenever it makes sense for you to come back. And generally speaking, people love it. People just feel like you are serving them and not asking for anything in return. And I think that at the end of the day, if people feel, I feel this way, if, if I feel like I'm constantly being sold, like, hey, hey, come back, buy this, buy that. I'm going to tune out. I'm going to unsubscribe. I'm going to do all that stuff. So if you can just come at things without that transactional, it's, just, it's, it's hard to do. If you're a business and you need to keep the lights on everything, it's hard to sometimes not feel a little salesy because you need to hit your numbers or whatever it is. But you can just focus on how can I serve this customer today? You're going to push in the right direction. Whatever that means for you and your business or your product or whatever it is, your brand, you'll figure it out. If you know your customer well enough, you'll know. I love that. It makes me think about what you said earlier about just showing up and being nice and meaning it. And I think that stems from people forget what it's like to be on the other side. We forget what it's like to be the customer. When we're selling something, we forget that we're also a customer in 50 other areas of our life. And what areas of our life do we buy because we love it? Or do we just like, nah, get away from me. And a lot of people fail to do that. And I don't really know why. It probably is the keep the lights on. It's just like when you're in the beginning of anything, you're like really stressed and you believe in yourself and your product and you really want other people to have it. But one of the things that I think you just hit the nail on is like, how do I serve my customer today? And what people don't realize is like there's 365 days in a year. If you're trying to sell something for 365 days in a year, like everyone's going to tune you out. But selling comes in many shapes and sizes. Like if you're putting together for y'all the drop, this valuable newsletter, you're just guiding the customer on information that could be helpful to them in other areas of their life. And then they come back to make a purchase on their own terms with their own intentions, rather than you trying to sell them into something. And the reason that that's important is because even if you do forcefully sell people into buying your product, that lowers your lifetime value of that customer because they're probably not going to come back a second time. So even if you do snake oil them into getting it and there's people that do this and if you're listening on the other line, like you can think of some products where it's just like you were out at a shop or somewhere and you didn't really want to buy that product, but they swindled you into it. Like, are you going to go back to that spot? Hell no. And now that everything's digital, it's even more likely that if I get pinged with a bunch of emails of like, hey, there's this product, there's this discount or whatever, I'm going to tune that out and I'm still only going to buy when I really want to buy. But is this your second product, the bath bomb? Uh, it's our fourth. So we have the day, night. Oh, you have the, the recover stick and then. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about how you're innovating and thinking in that area because one of the struggles that I've had and I've seen other people have is how do you know to stick with the products you've got or to create another one. So what's that been like in y'all's world? It's a tough decision. And so we're still trying to figure out the right answer. I think one thing I would note is just like trying to be focused. I think that if you try to be too much of everything at the beginning, then you're like nothing to anyone. For example, like we iterated on this, like when we first were starting the business out, we we're like, all right, here's all the categories we want to help people with like six different categories. And we're going to build products in each of these. And we're going to kind of be this full suite of supplements, essentially like, like just a straight down the fairway supplement company that just built awesome products in a bunch of categories. And then from there, we're like, man, this is just kind of unruly. And we started to narrow it down to what we have now, just pain, stress, sleep. So those are the three areas that we focus on. And we will continue to focus on those three areas indefinitely until the customer or something else tells us otherwise. 
And that's what we're trying to do. So we're trying to help people with those three categories. So then what can we do? What can we build to help them with that? And so we have products across those three areas. Now, the question is, when do we build something else within those verticals? And so things that we're doing is just no crap, like talking to the customers. Like we have post-checkout surveys on our website. So like after you check out, it says, hey, what else would you like to see from us? What are we missing? Do you want higher strength on these formulas? Do you want different formats like gummies? Or do you want a bath bomb? Do you want powders? What else do you want? Like how else can we serve you or provide a better product to you that interests you? So that's like a post-checkout survey. The other is just like customer calls, like calling customers and being like, hey, how are you doing? You order this. I want to hear how it's going. Like what else are you taking in your life? What other supplements are you using? Where else are you having problems? Or what other products would you love to see us build that would be exciting to you? That and then other engagements on social media or any other platforms you have, just talking to the customer, that's how you decide when to build a new product. Tell you have some sort of high fidelity that this is a good product that we can build. This is a product that our customers are going to love because we've talked to them enough. Then at that point, it's like, okay, from an investment standpoint, does this make sense? And can we do it? The customer should be telling you what product they want. Yeah. Essentially. 100%. There might be onesie-twosie moments where that actually happens, where somebody like is so fired up or loves your brand or whatever it is enough that they're going to reach out to you proactively and give you that information. But more often, I mean, I don't know how everybody else is as a customer or as a consumer. I don't think I've ever done that. There are businesses and brands that I'm 100% behind and I've like never reached out and said, hey, you guys should do this. You have to be proactive to get out there and do it. You got to be the one on the weird, the guy on the other end of the phone like, hey, man, I'm the founder of Verb. I noticed that you bought X, Y, and Z and would love to hear your feedback, right, wrong, and indifferent. How do you see this brand? Like, Do you see us as a supplement brand? Do you see us as a CBD brand? Do you see us as like the stress, sleep, pain guys? Start to triangulate over time where you sit in the customer's head at the end of the day like you're building a brand you're building a business and you have an idea of where that's going and the space that you want it to occupy but there's a chance that it ends up being over here like it ends up serving like these customers and they think about you in a maybe different way than you had in mind and then you have a choice to make of like well do i like power through and keep like executing my vision or do i sort of like slightly pivot my thinking like hey the customer kind of define the business and define the brand and yeah like, you know what they're right so then you start moving that way. And obviously that has downstream effects for like the brand and the, the messaging products that you create, all those things. But to Evan's point, in the early days, especially being more narrowly focused is smarter from an investment perspective, from a ability to answer for the consumer's wants and needs. Start small. You can always grow, but starting small is a smart way to go. If you're listening to this right now, what they both just said is like $10,000 consulting advice if you're starting anything. Our Venmo is at <laughs> I'm not even kidding because the amount of people that I talk with, especially product-based companies where I'm just like, have you called your customers to just understand more? And the response is no, is like shocking because they're so focused on the product side of things rather than what matters at the end of the day where you said, if you talk to your customers, you're going to understand. And even going further, a lot of them will focus on the negative. So they'll call the customer that made a return, but they won't call the customer that customer that made five purchases. So it's like, you need to be doing both sides of calling your customers that are returning. Cause at the end of the day, they might've returned just because of some existential crisis that they just had. And you, you have no idea what's going on. It's not because they hate your product. So if you can like build relationships with them on both sides of, of that line, you're going to build a better brand. I love how you narrowed it down to pain, stress, and sleep. You've clearly defined the problems that exist in the marketplace. And then now you have, when you get on these calls, you have 
the ability to ask them like, how does this fall in line with helping you with your pain, stress, or sleep? And it's very textbook rather than you have five different types of archetypes of customers. And then you can never build that really strong brand because you haven't niched down enough. The other thing you get from the is just the messaging. That was a great point you made about focusing on the positive stuff. So like when you talk to these customers, they're like, man, yeah, I just really love how it actually helps me stay asleep during the night. Like I've gotten to sleep. I have products that can help me get to sleep, but I have trouble because I wake up in the middle of the night. And like they tell you that like, oh shit, well, we were trying to solve for like total sleep, go to sleep to waking up. I didn't know that that was a specific pain point, that this was really helping above other products. That's messaging. Now I call that out on the product page. I call that out in marketing and like, that's something that sets me above the competition. And I figured that out because I talked to the customer. And the cool thing is with that one is just like, I have a whoop and an aura ring. You start building relationships with customers. You can start asking them above and beyond. Do you track your sleep? So how do you know that you're staying asleep? And you ask them this question. There's like, I have my whoop. It tells me. And then you're like, okay, now I figured out, like we're starting to build a database to prove that our products do what they say they're going to do. And again, that defines great product. And then that thing will sell itself. And you're basically communicating in a way that the customer can understand and then repeat that message out to people. And that's a not taught art and a lost art in between companies. When they start getting bigger and bigger, you start making money and you start throwing money behind things rather than continuing. How do we scale relationships rather than how do we just throw money at ads and sell our it's product? It's also like just not an easy problem to solve. Like, yes, it, we're all in agreement that it's what you should do and, and all that. But like when Tuesday rolls around and you got a ton of stuff to do, it falls to the bottom of the list, then it falls to Wednesday, then it falls to Thursday. So like, you gotta just make the time for it. Even as we're having this conversation, I'm like, no, when was the last time I made a customer call? I'm like, yeah, it's been a little bit. Okay, cool. Like I need to get back into it. You can just like any other business or any other pursuit in life, higher priority things like bubble up to the surface and like, Hey, how are we going to get the marketing ball moved forward down the field? How are we going to on the finance side? Da, da, da. And it's like, you can get, all these these really important things that don't necessarily move the needle today fall to the bottom of the list, but you just have to make time for those because they're worth their weight in gold if you make time for it. I just say that to say that like it's not like everything is hunky-dory and we're like consistently doing all of these yeah. things every day, 18-hour days and making these phone calls like constantly. It's something that like consistently falls out and we have to remind ourselves, you know what, we do need to take a step off the bus for one second pause, make these phone calls, do these things that may feel like in the moment you're not advancing the ball down the field, but it does. And it, and it really does have an outsized impact if you do. Yeah. A little bit goes a long way is really the saying for that. And that's the struggle of entrepreneurs. I mean, there's two of you. So my next question, this lines up perfectly, was literally going to be like about delegation. Now that you're starting to see some traction and, and things, you're still alive after a year of being out of business school and like really attacking this, which is just deserves applause in itself because that's not the case for a lot of people when they start, especially CPG, because it is a hard thing to get off the ground. What in your eyes is the path towards your first legitimate hire? If you've made it or if you're planning on making it, and I'm not talking like contractors, I'm talking about like somebody that you want to bring on the team that you see for the long run. Because again, this is something that I don't think people think about until it's like the day of like, oh shit, like we really need somebody on this boat with us to help us paddle. Because again, you're talking about customer service. Eventually you get to a point where like y'all can just focus on growth and then somebody else can focus on the customer success side of things. But for Verb and for companies like yours, what do you think about that first hire or first couple hires? What side of the ship should they be on in your belief? 
I think like thinking through the hire piece, it's challenging. I mean, it really is. Like, I mean, there's so many options on how to do it. Capital has to do with that. Your ability to like foresee the role, especially like early stage, at least for us, it's super dynamic. Things are changing, like strategies changing. We're pivoting. We're trying to find what works. Where's the smoke? Run down this channel. That one didn't work. All right, we're trying this channel. So it's like tough to like really know like until we're in our groove and we know like, hey, look, we're going to run after this for at least 12 months. We know this channel's killing it or this function area, we're, we're really dragging our feet. We need help. Until we can see that, clear enough and it's long enough, then I think it makes sense to potentially hire. But like what we've done is we have done agency, freelancer, kind of more scrappy stuff. It's like, hey, look, we know we need help. Chase and I are spinning a bunch of plates. We don't have enough. We got, you know, we got them on our feet now. And it's like, all right, well, we can't grow anymore because we literally have reached our work capacity. So we need to free ourselves up just a little bit to give ourselves some more room to test over here. And so that makes sense for an agency or like a freelancer at least in our mind. And then once we have, I think, just better visibility, it's like, okay, now we need to hire someone who's coming in, who's going to get their hands dirty and get after it. There's two pieces that come to mind for me. One is optimizing for roles that require expertise that maybe we don't have, like how much time in a, on a daily basis is required to do those things. That's one way to think about it, just a framework of like, hey, if it's something that literally I could do with no expertise, I could just get on the phone and answer customer calls, then okay, cool. Got it. This is like low expertise, but that might take a ton of time if we're getting like a ton of customer phone calls. Thinking through the roles that we have in the business. So I think that's one piece of the puzzle. And also, and I think this is probably where we've done maybe a decent job with this, is we constantly are talking amongst ourselves about what are our highest leverage tactics that we are employing. And as those change, we start to see like, okay, we're coalescing an idea of basically what are the most important things we can do to grow this business. And at some point we're like, okay, there's a combination of like X number of things that we think we need to do. Here's what Evan's good at. Here's what Chase is kind of good at. And then there are these other ones down the middle that neither of us are great or we just don't like doing it or it takes a ton of our time and disallows us from doing these other things. Once you sort of see that, you can say like, oh, you know what? This is a job. This is a hire. If we can combine this tactic with maybe these two other things, that's like a full-time role for a person. And if we could find the right person to do these three things, that would free us up. And it's essentially like a force multiplier where it allows, not only do we have a person completely focused on these three things that are hugely important for the business, but it also allows Evan, it allows me to like get heads down on, instead of doing five things, now we're doing two or three things and we're just putting more effort into those two or three things. And that's the really the way we're thinking about it. And it's, again, easier said than done. And it's not one of those things that you can just kick the can down the road and say like, let's put a time on a calendar and figure out what that is, what those roles are and what that hire should be. At least the way I think about it, I don't think that's something you can just like put an hour on the calendar and walk away from that meeting knowing the answer. I think it's like constant communication between us to essentially build intuition over time, constantly checking in on each other, checking in on the data, checking in on like the strategy over time. And then as time progresses to the right, you just get to the point where you're like, well, we know that these five things are the most important things to us. I'm good at these. You're good at those. These things are sort of in no man's land. Cool. That's a job. Let's hire for that. That's a great way to go about it. Everybody should be working on the area that they feel is like play to them because that's where you're just going to win. And if you have a whole team that is focused on the areas where showing up every day doesn't feel like resistance or friction, you're going to thrive. And I like how you described 
communicating frequently to build intuition. Again, I think that just comes back to time. Like it takes time to do that. And I see a recurring theme here where y'all seem like you have a great concept of this is going to take time and we're just going to keep showing up and hammering the nail every single day. And then eventually like when we're in that position to have the opportunity to hire somebody, we're going to know based on all the times that we've just been hammering and showing up every day, but we're getting close to wrapping up here. I have one last question for you. What do you enjoy the most about every day that you get to show up and work on Verb? Because I think at least for me, this has been my experience in the world of entrepreneurship. It's the fact that every day is different and that I get to show up and talk to new people every single day and solve new problems every single day. But let's keep it in the scope of Verb for both Chase and Evan, however your days look. What is the most exciting to each of you? For me, I can say, and this is the truth, I write a gratitude journal every morning. And what always, 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 always ends up in my journal is I'm so grateful to be able to do this. This is bar none the hardest thing I've ever done. It's physically taxing. It's emotionally taxing. It is like, it's a hard thing to do. And I haven't done the hardest things in the world, but like I've done hard things pretty consistently through life. And this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And with that said, I'm so grateful to be doing this. I'm learning every day. I'm testing myself and learning the things, actively taking steps to become the person that I ultimately want to become in life. I'm in the driver's seat trying to make that happen. If anybody is familiar with the man in the arena quote from Teddy Roosevelt, I'm in the arena. We are in the arena, 100% putting our money where our mouth is and saying like, hey, this is the type of life that we want to have. It's not going to happen for you. Nobody's going to come and swoop in and tell you, okay, here, go over here. And like, that's how you do it. Like you got to make it happen on your own. And just like the ability, having like the wherewithal and the ability to do that is something that I'm extremely grateful for and fired up about. And so what do I enjoy most about my days? Waking up and doing this shit. It's freaking awesome. And it's really hard. Those are like two ideas that you can hold in your head at the same time. Like it's really hard and there's no answers. And sometimes there's like no feedback or sometimes the feedback you get is bad. And you're like, oh shit, like this is this thing that I, I, I'm doing is not working. And what happens next is the most important thing. Like, do you sit down and sulk on your couch? Do you like start watching freaking YouTube and like taking the day off? Or do you take that as an opportunity to grow, to learn, to jump back on the horse and freaking figure it out? That is what I love about what we're doing. It's like the ability to do all that stuff and to put my money where my mouth is about building the life that I have envisioned. I like that response a lot because you've done hard shit and it relates to me a little bit because engineering school was really, really hard. The difference was like, one, I saw an end four years. There's no end to entrepreneurship. Like the bigger you grow, the more problems, then now you have more mouths to feed, more people to manage. Like it's never ending. And that is like overwhelming to a lot of people. But the other thing that's overwhelming is everyone, like they jump into entrepreneurship because they're like, I want control over my days. But that also comes with the responsibility that I don't think people realize how hard that is. Cause like when shit hits the fan, the only person that's going to get it done is you. It's on you. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Hard Things About Hard Things, but it's just like, there's always peaks and valleys. And if your company is in a valley and you have to lay people off, like who does it come down to? The CEO. It's just like, you're training yourself every day and learning new things. You're in control, but that control takes responsibility that you don't realize 
until you're in it. And I really like that response because I feel it as well, where it's just every day I'm learning something new and I, I feel grateful for the ability to, to have this life where what's the point of going through life and doing the easy, easy path. The hard stuff is where you learn everything, but I'd love to hear Evan's response as well. Those are both phenomenal responses. And so it's a lot of that, first of all, and I would just add that having control of your life is, is something that I'm very passionate about. When I got out of the army, I did work. I worked in finance for three years before going back to business school. So I got to experience what the corporate world is like and how I felt at corporate world at a desk in an office building in business casual. I didn't like it at all. And now like what I do every day is like, it's my own schedule. I have to get shit done to your point. I have a ton of responsibilities, but it's like on my time when I want to do it and how I want to do it, which is a incredibly liberating feeling to know that like I can go and do and wear anything I want. No one is in charge of me. Like I have a responsibility in my business and my customers take care of them. But like that's stuff that I chose to do and I love doing. So that's super cool. And then the other piece that I, I just really enjoy is just like building. When I was in the corporate job, I was doing same thing every single day, basic just BD salesman type stuff, which there's nothing wrong with it. You can make a lot of money doing it, but it was just the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. It calls, visits, emails. Like that was how I was tracked in the system. Now I get to build stuff. I'm building products, I'm building content. And this is all stuff that's all geared around like making other people feel good. Our content is about performance and living a better life, a healthier life. It's about feeling better mentally, having better mental health and just enjoying the world around you. So it's all like good stuff that we get to build and put out there and affect people's lives in a very powerful, positive way, which is really fulfilling to me. It's something that I had lost when I got out of the military. You're serving, you're fighting for the country, you're protecting everyone's freedom. And it's just like mission that's much bigger than you. And then, then I got out. And it was like, I lost all that. And I was in corporate world and I was like, oh, I'm supposed to just like make money. Like that's the goal in life is just to make a lot of money and store it away in like cave so I can eat pizza and stuff all the rest of my life, like a gremlin. And I was like, man, this is horrible. Like I got to figure out something that's more fulfilling. And then I, you know, I finally found my way into this and it's like, dude, this is so fulfilling. Like I get to do all this cool stuff and I get to interact with people like you and chop it up with other founders and entrepreneurs who are doing things who are out there scared building businesses by themselves. And like, we're in this like community of people that are just to chase one, like in the arena, like doing stuff that's scary and unknown. And I just have a more fulfilling life because of all that. Epic responses from two epic human beings. It was such an honor to have y'all on the podcast here today. I always wrap up in the same way. And before we kind of ask the last question that I ask everybody, how can my community get in contact with you? So what is the best way to reach out to y'all? So maybe they liked what you said, Evan, or liked what you said, Chase. How can they contact you? Easiest way to get up with us is via the website. We're at verblabs.com. We have a chat bot there. We also at verb underscore labs on Instagram. We're happy to chop it up with this audience about really anything. If we can be helpful, products, military stuff, questions about business school, whatever it is, anything, anything you want to talk about, we're here for it. We're in Austin, Texas. Um, if anybody's in town, obviously let us know. We'll buy a coffee and chop it up. We also love to give like a, a discount code if that's, if that's awesome. So maybe Thrive 20, 20% off, try the products, see if you like them. Like I said, we built these products for us and we're like, we're very proud of what we've done with these products. And so we'd be fired up to get them into more folks, uh, particularly your audience's hands. And like I said, we feel very lucky to be a part of this community. And so like at verb underscore labs, if you have any questions or just want to shoot the shit on whatever. And again, verblabs.com, victoromeobravolabs.com. And you can 
hit us up there or messenger pigeon, whatever, whatever works best. <laughs> Love it. Last question I always ask everyone is I get two responses today. So it's great. What does thriving mean to you? So when I ask you the question, like, what does it mean to thrive? What initially comes to mind? So take a couple seconds to think on it and then let's see what you got. To me, and this is something I think we've built this business on is like building an optimal life and optimal to us generally means there's a physical aspect to that. There's a mental cognitive aspect to that. And then there's a, call it a personal growth, spirituality almost aspect to that. And so for me, if I am physically, if I'm like putting out every day, I don't need to be like the fastest, strongest, whatever. But if I'm like putting out every day and making sure that my body is capable of whatever it might need to be in the future and getting good endorphins and keeping my body strong, then I'm good to go. Mentally, if I'm learning every day and continuing to sharpen the spear on that front and professionally like living up to my bar that I've set for myself. And then on the personal growth, spirituality side, if I'm like, if I'm digging into who I am and, and philosophy and I read a lot of stoicism and a lot of that kind of thing. And if I meditate every morning, all that kind of good stuff, if I can somehow find that balance of achieving my goals across those three categories, that's when I wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night feeling like I'm thriving right now. I would boil it down to a simpler, are you mentally happy? Like mental health wise, like you're thriving on life. If you're happy, what you're doing, where you are, how you're living, are you living up to your values? You know, are you treating your family right? Are you a good husband, father, son, all those things? If you're doing all those things right and you're mentally happy, then I think then life is great. You're thriving. It doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as you're happy and you found whatever it is that makes you happy, then go do that over and over and over again. You're just a happy person because you're happy for the right reasons and you're doing everything right. Then you're freaking glowing. You know what I mean? So go do that. Great responses. Makes me think about, there's been so many people on this earth, like trillions of ways to live life. And you just need to find which one works for you. And at the end of every episode, I reflect back on what my biggest takeaway was. And today's was so simple yet so powerful. Be nice to people. I think it's something that we, everyone forgets about, especially in today's world where we're, our time and our energy is sucked in so many different ways. And then we tend to let that stress us out. And whether it's personal relationships with our family members or our friends or our business partners, and we just aren't ourselves and we don't show up as ourselves. And it was a great reminder to me that just being kind goes a really long way. And if anybody would listen to this entire episode, I thank you and just go out there and, and be a good person and work hard and everything else will fall in line. Again, thank you to the both of you for showing up here today and dropping some really great knowledge for everybody that listened to this. I'm super excited for the takeaways of this from people that are going to use this knowledge and hopefully build their own products, their own services and help this world become a better place. But this is CJ Finley. Until next time, everybody thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive On Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive On Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.